Those of you that have your Bibles, whether physical or electronic, and let me say you should have your Bibles with you. There's no point coming without your Bible in one form or another. Go to John chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 1 to 15. And I don't know what you are feeling this morning, where you are, but this morning's message is, is, is about um, turning a famine into favor because, you know, or there's an advert on TV that advertises a certain brand of mayonnaise and they talk about turning nothing into something. And, uh, but I think, you know, turning uh, famine into favor because maybe this morning you, like me, are, uh, are in a famine. Maybe you are in that time right now where you are in a spiritual famine and you don't know it. Maybe you have been in a spiritual famine and you've come through it. But let me say, those won't be isolated moments because in our walk with Jesus, uh, we have these um, periodic peaks and troughs, mountaintops and valley experiences. And so this morning, I want to help us to, first of all, identify if how we know whether or not we are in a famine. You might be here this morning and you think you're okay. You might not realize that you are in a famine, but having identified and maybe recognized that we are in a spiritual famine, I want to offer you maybe some solutions as to how we come through that. So John chapter 6, verses 1 to 15, very familiar text that we all know, Jesus feeding the 5,000. And it reads like this. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is, in, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself, that is Jesus, knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? In other words, he didn't recognize the provision that was amongst them. Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in that place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. And again, the reminder there is that 5,000 is the minimum amount, uh, because in the Jewish culture they they were only counting the men, but there would have been women and children there. So more than 5,000. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their full, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Verse 15, perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king. 
Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. And when we talk about moving from famine into favor, I want to look this morning at just three accounts through the scripture, starting the Old Testament and we'll move through and we'll finish where we started. But I want us to consider this morning what it looks like and what it means to be in a spiritual famine. And as I say, some of you may not even realize that even at this time, you are in a famine. If I can go back uh, to Exodus, and we read in Exodus there where the people, we all, most of us will know this, we know the account where the people were in a place of plenty. We read uh, there in Exodus that actually they were in a place called Eileen. And you might recognize the name. Eileen, that's where we as a movement get our name from. We say Elim. But the place name was called Eileen. And Eileen means a place of palms. And we read about the Israelites in a place of plenty, a place of palms. It says, it says this, that there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees. They were camped there. It was a place of abundance, a place of refreshing, a place of plenty. And then we read that they move on. They move on from Eileen. They move from a place of lushness to leanness, a place of refreshing to a place of ration, from a place of water to a place of wilderness. And we can ask ourselves, why would you do that? I know for myself, and it may be for you as well, that if you were in a place of plenty, a place of lushness, a place of abundance, a place of refreshing, a place of water, I would not intentionally choose to move to a wilderness. I would not intentionally choose to move to a place of lack, a place of ration. And yet, because of God, they found themselves in a wilderness. Exodus chapters 14 and 15 tells us that the Israelites crossing the Red Sea, about the Israelites crossing the Red Sea at the start of entering the promises of God. And remember, them crossing the Red Sea is not them coming into the promise of God. That was part of the journey, but crossing the Red Sea didn't take them into the promises of God. And maybe you're at a moment in your life right now where you're on a journey and God has promised you something, but you're on a journey. But listen, you haven't arrived yet. And it might be that you find yourself in a wilderness. You find yourself in a place of famine. And you're looking around and you're feeling dry, you're feeling tired. But it's a journey. And likewise, in Exodus 16, we read about the people, uh, the Israelites, in a place called sin. A wilderness called sin. And we, of course, can draw the immediate analogy from that, that if we allow sin to pervade our lives, to run riot in our lives, it will ultimately take us to a wilderness. It will ultimately lead us into a place of spiritual famine. But sometimes God himself takes us into a wilderness Sometimes God leads us into a place of barrenness 
because he wants us to learn something. I've learned over the years that when I find myself in those places, I don't moan at God. I ask him, what does he want me to learn? I think T.D. Jakes puts it like this. He talks about that, you know, um, making the most of every opportunity, that when you fall down, if you find yourself falling down, then whilst you're on the floor, look around for what you can pick up. He speaks about making the most of every opportunity. And sometimes God takes us into a wilderness, into a place of famine in order that we might learn something. And so often we are very quick to want to get out of the place. We don't want to be there. We'd rather be in the place of plenty, the place of refreshing, the place of water, the place of abundance. But sometimes God takes us into a place of famine in order that we might come again to him. Recognize that we don't have it all, but that everything that we do, everything that we have, everything that we need is dependent on him and his goodness and his grace. Sometimes we forget that, don't we? We think we can do it all. But the great thing is this, in Jeremiah 2.2, God, when God speaks about a wasteland, he doesn't draw our, our attention to the wasteland. He doesn't out draw our attention to the wilderness. But when you read in Jeremiah 2.2, God speaks about a wilderness or a wasteland as a place or a land not sown. And what that is, is that what God is saying is that when he looks at our wilderness, at our place of famine, he sees it as a place of opportunity. He sees it full of potential, a land not yet sown. I wonder how many of us realize that our time of spiritual famine can be a result of a plague of plenty. It can be a result of us having everything that we need, everything that we perceive we want, and we feel that we lack nothing, that we need for nothing. We feel that we're so blessed that we can begin to take it for granted about where we are, what, what, we've, what God has brought us into. We can find ourselves in those moments, in those times of, uh, of, of, of plenty, if you like, where we long for yesterday, we think about yesterday being better, we start saying, oh, you know, why isn't it like that, that? yesterday, I was, just yesterday I was talking to one of our neighbours um, and she used to come to uh, this assembly and she talked about, oh, things, you know, the last time I went in, things were so much better, you know, that we, had the, we had the pews and I was so sad that the pews went and I'm thinking, you know, we can sometimes look back and talk about times and say, it was better then. It was better before. And the problem is, is when we begin to think like that, we think, we begin to believe that um, what God is doing or his spirit, it's more about our preference than about his presence. In those times of plenty where we feel we've got it all, we can become more concerned about our preference than his presence. 
And it's not about our preference. It's not about what we personally like. Of course, we get some of those things, but it's always about his presence and what God says. The people of Israel did exactly the same in Exodus 14, 12. We read this, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. In other words, they were saying, look, we, I'd, we would rather have been full with our bellies full and satisfied in slavery than to be hungry and free. What a wrong perspective. You see, when we are in a wilderness experience, when we're in a spiritual um, famine, our perspective gets distorted. We can see things uh, as they are not, rather than as God sees them. Again, in Numbers 11, 4 to 6, we read this. Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving. You see, personal preference. This is what I want. And the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic, but now our strength has dried up. Spiritual famine. And there is nothing at all but this manner to look at. You see, when we're in a spiritual famine, that's the type of language that we use. We harp back to a time past. We harp back to a period where we think things were better because, because we are not experiencing the presence of Christ in our, in our current moment. We fall back on those times when we know that we were closer to God and we were experiencing him and we say they were better. But if we're doing that, friends, we're in a spiritual famine. Because God doesn't call us to live in the past. He calls us to live in the present. He's a God of our present as well as the God of our future. And we need to guard ourselves. The people in Exodus 16, they looked at the bread and they called it, or God's provision, and they called it manna. And uh, you will know that manna literally means what is it? They looked at God's provision and they failed to recognize it. What is it? What's happening here? What is God doing? And, si and listen, they went on later on to have God's provision, eat the manna, but later on, you can read it for yourself in, in, later on in Exodus, they still complained. We're sick of this manna. Give us some meat. We want meat. We want something else. You know, and listen, the thing is this. When we are in spiritual famine, we can eat without effect. We can eat without effect. Let me quickly explain what I mean. Is When we eat, we eat because we are supposedly hungry and we eat in order to satisfy the, the hunger pangs that we have. But you and I know that we have moments, particularly in the evenings, where we have the munchies. We sat, we sat down, we're relaxing, and we just want to eat something. Anything. Have we got any cat food? We'll eat it. We just want to eat anything. 
And the thing is this, and we've all had this experience, we nibble and we eat, but it doesn't satisfy that feeling in us. Do you know what I'm talking about? And so we carry on eating. In other words, we are eating without effect. It's not fulfilling the purpose for which it's intended. And when we are in spiritual famine, likewise with the word of God, and remember, you know, in Jewish culture, they speak about the word of God being a meal, so it's appropriate that we talk about eating. And when we are in spiritual famine, we can eat but it has no effect. We go to the word and it is dry. We, we pray to God and we say, where are you? It's as though the heavens are as brass. And if we're like that, friends, then we are in a spiritual famine. That's a sign that we are in a spiritual famine, that we eat without effect. Later on, we read in again, or oh, earlier on, we read about Joseph in Genesis. And again, we know Joseph, we know the account of Joseph. And there was a time when Joseph, you, know you know the account, Joseph from, you know, from pit to the palace, that sort of thing. Uh, Joseph is elevated, raised to a position where he is second in command only to Pharaoh. And Joseph, in all his wisdom, in all his wisdom, Seeking God, even in his position, looks to God and, and he sees a famine coming to Egypt. And so G, uh, Jesus, Joseph, Joseph is a type of Jesus, by the way, in the Old Testament. But Joseph, Joseph prepares for the famine that's to come. And so he begins to gather uh, wealth, money. He begins to fill the barns with um, wheat and grain, ready for the coming famine and it says this that Joseph's brothers and you know that you know the account of Joseph and his brothers they you know they they Joseph didn't exercise wisdom he said you're going to bow down to me I'm going to be more greater than you they didn't like it so they pretended that they that he'd been killed by a wild animal and and showed um, his father uh, his garment dipped it in blood so we know all of that and later on later on then the brothers and Isaac find them, and the father find themselves in the midst of this famine. And Isaac tells his sons, he says, you go down to, you go down, sorry, Jacob, yeah. You go down to Egypt. Go down to Egypt. Go and see Pharaoh or go and see his man and ask him for some food. Because we're in a famine. And it says this in Genesis 42.8. Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. They did not recognize him. And I want you to know that when we are in a time of spiritual famine... God still knows our name. God still sees us even if we ourselves are struggling to see him, to see how he's working in our circumstance. God knows us and he still calls us by name. And God recognizes us even when we don't know him. 
like Ezekiel uh, in, the, in, the, in that wilderness, you know, God can bring that which is dead back to life. He can turn deserts into places of daily bread. He can turn a parched land into a place of provision. And Joseph's brothers failed to recognize him. When we are in a spiritual famine, here's another marker. When we are in a spiritual famine, we can be related but not have revelation. What do I mean by that? Joseph had 11 other brothers, siblings, and yet they failed to recognize him. For us, it doesn't matter how long you've called yourself a Christian, doesn't matter how long you've been associated with this assembly, doesn't matter how long, you know, week, how many weeks, week on week you've been coming here, you can still be part of the family and still be absent of revelation. You see, everything that we do is based on revelation from Holy Spirit. Wisdom, understanding, it's based on revelation that Holy Spirit himself, himself imparts to us. And so what I'm saying is please don't think that just because you have been associated with a church or an assembly for a length of time, that makes you a Christian. Because without the revelation and understanding of who Jesus is, you're just a pew filler. Like Joseph's brothers, you, you'll be someone who fails to recognize who God is. Someone who fails to understand who Jesus is because you are related but without revelation. And so then, John chapter 6, and we read about the feeding of the 5,000 men. And we need to understand something about our God. God doesn't feed those who are not hungry. So the question is, are you hungry this morning? Are you spiritually hungry? Because God does not feed those who are not hungry. In fact, Mary sang a song when she was told that she would give birth to Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. And her song in Luke 1.53, she sings, He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. You see, Mary understood. She said, those who are hungry are those who are filled. By equal measure, those who are self-sufficient, those who are self-reliant, stay empty. Stay unsatiated, stay famished, stay hungry. Because God only feeds those who are hungry. And remember, Jesus in this account in John 6 responds with a miracle of multiplication. Right in the middle of his sermon on the mount, he stops what he is doing in order to deal with the hunger of the people. He deals with the hunger of the people. You see, it's like this. No hunger, no miracle. You see, sometimes it's right uh, to be hungry. 
But hunger, to be hungry, is different from a place of famine. When we are hungry, God meets us. And every single person in that crowd of that 5,000 went away physically satisfied. But I wonder, as I read that account, I wonder how many of them had their physical need met, but still went away spiritually famished, spiritually poor, spiritually dry, still in famine. And so the thing that we can learn, I think, from this is very simply, if we don't guard ourselves, if we don't stay focused on the things of God, we are in danger of becoming consumers without change. In other words, we, we take, we take, we get what we want, but it has no effect on us. It, it fails to change us. It fails to transform us because Jesus is in the process, is in the business of transforming us. Every time we meet together, every time we encounter Jesus, every time we go to him, it should be with the expectancy that our encounter with him is going to transform us. When we, when we meet Jesus, there should be an expectancy that we are going to be changed, transformed to be more like him. And so let me ask you this morning, are you simply a consumer? You like coming to church. Maybe you don't like coming to church, but you come because you think it's the right thing to do. Maybe those of you on, online, you know, you've stayed away because you don't want to be challenged. You're afraid of what might, what might happen if you join with us. But it's not about us, it's about Jesus. And Jesus wants to transform every single one of us. He doesn't want us to stay as we are. Don't be consumers without change. And so I've spoken about those who eat without effect. I've spoken about those who are related without revelation. And I've spoken about consumers without change. Different accounts, but a single thread. And it is this. And this is what prompted me when I read this to think about famine. You see, three different accounts, and we can find other accounts in Scripture, but they all have a single thread, and it's this. Most people can spot a famine, but fail to spot a saviour. We know when we are, most of us know when we are in a dry period. Most of us know when we are in spiritual famine. But few of us recognize where we need to go in order to bring ourselves out of that famine. We think we can do it ourselves. We think we can work it out. We think we can, we can put things in place and do, go through a process. But in a time of spiritual famine, the only place we can go and need to go is Jesus. We need to be those who recognize our dependence upon a Savior. 
God provided the manna and they failed to recognize the means of their salvation in front of them. We need to be those who depend on Jesus and Jesus alone because the word of God says this. It says, obedience is better than sacrifice. 1 Samuel 15, 22. Because obedience ultimately leads to abundance. When we obey God, when we hear and obey, God is a God who delights to bless, a God who delights to pour out his favor, and obedience leads to abundance. Miracles are always found on the other side of obedience. When we trust God, when we don't know what the outcome will be, but we've heard God and we trust him enough to do what we hear, and then the miracle comes. Listen, if we want to move, if you want to move out of spiritual famine, then we need to learn how to walk in obedience. We need to be those who hear the word of God, those who hear the spirit of God and having heard to then do. You see, again, in time of famine, every bit counts, every crumb becomes important. When we're hungry, when we're physically hungry, everything tastes good, doesn't it? When you're famished, even shoe leather tastes good. You suck the juice out of the leather. Everything tastes good when you are in famine. Nothing goes to waste. In times of famine, we need to look for God's revelation because in our spiritual famine, God still desires to speak into our circumstance in order that he might lift us and bring us out of those moments. In times of famine, we need to expect God's provision. Look for his working in our circumstance and situation. Look for God. Expect God in those times of famine. Because unless we do... Unless we look for Jesus, we can very quickly find ourselves a people who satisfy, satisf- are satisfied with rations. And God's never called us to live on rations. He's a God of plenty. He's a God of abundance. But so many of us, when we find ourselves in time of famine, settle for rations. We settle for a ration of Holy Spirit. We settle for a ration of salvation. We settle for a ration of lives transformed. We settle for a ration of kingdom power. We settle for a few scattered crumbs and we think that's enough. That's not where God wants us, friends. Listen, God does not want us to live in a place of famine. We do, from time to time, find ourselves in a place of famine. We do, from time to time, find ourselves in a wilderness. But God's intention is not that we dwell there. It's not that we stay there. We're just passing through. And so God calls us um, into a place of abundance, a place of presence. Your famine, listen, might not be physical. It might not be that you need bread right now. It might be that you do. I don't know. 
but your famine might not be physical bread. But wherever you are, understand, recognize if you are in a famine and know that God is trying to tell you something in those famine areas of our lives. Why? Because God wants to promote us. God wants to bring us out of famine and back into his favor, the place of blessing. Glory to God.